You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us this morning. If you haven't had a chance to look through our bulletin, we encourage you to do that. Uh, There are a couple of things that we want to bring your attention to. Uh, The first is that our ladies' Bible study has been doing a fundraiser to help offset the cost of their upcoming conference, and they've been selling some casseroles. If you bought one of those casseroles, today is the pickup day, okay? When the service is done, make your way over to the gym, and the kitchen right by the gym is where you will pick those up, okay? And while you're down there, you could also head into the gym and sign up to give blood. We have a blood drive going on today. Uh, We would love to give you the opportunity to participate that if you want to. Even if you haven't scheduled anything, you can just go in and they will work you in there. Uh, They'll be here until 1 p.m. We also want to remind you that in just a few short weeks, we will be having our Christmas Eve service. It will be at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. It's a candlelight service. Uh, If you've been here before, you probably have special memories. And if you haven't, we would love for you to join us. It's always a fantastic service, so we hope to see you there. Uh, And because of the season we're in, we're also excited to start going through Advent with you. And, and, And when we go through Advent here, we like to do an Advent reading each Sunday. And and so this week we have the Brown family to do the Advent reading for today. You guys could come on up. Good morning, everyone. This is a reading from Isaiah 1 through 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, you came down the mountains, quaked at your presence. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God beside you who acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness, those who remember you in your ways. Behold, you were angry and we sinned. In our sins, we have been a long time, and shall we be saved? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all your righteousness deeds are like a polluted garment. We are all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls upon your name who rouses himself to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have made us melt in the hand of our iniquities. But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We all are work of your hand. Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember, not iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are all your people. Thank you. Lord God in heaven, we ask your presence to be among your people here today, to inhabit the praises of your people. We welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, would you move in power through your word that is living and active. Lord, would it change our hearts here today? Would we leave this place looking more like Jesus? Give us the strength and the power to work and to walk abiding in your word and to do good works, Lord, not out of obligation, but out of love and devotion for you and your people. Um, May the way that we love you be shown in the way that we love others. Lord, as we celebrate this Advent season, uh, we thank you, Lord, for showing yourself in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ, coming into this world and being God with skin on. And so we thank you so much, Lord, and we look forward to the day when you return. And until that day, Lord, we say, come, Lord Jesus. Uh, May you be magnified in Jesus' name, amen. And so as we prepare our house for the coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for the returning Christ. 
You came once for your people, O Lord, and you will come for us again. Though there was no room at the end to receive you upon your first arrival, we would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. As we decorate and celebrate, we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world, O God. Our glittering ornaments, Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feasts, By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and space. That God on a particular night, in a particular place so many years ago, was born to us, an infant king, our prince of peace. Our wreaths and ribbons and colored lights, our giving of gifts, our parties with friends, these have never been ends in themselves. They are but small ways in which we repeat that sounding joy first proclaimed by angels in the skies near Bethlehem. And in view of such great tidings of love announced to us and to all people, how can we not be moved to praise and celebration in this Christmas season? As we decorate our trees And as we feast and laugh and sing together, we are rehearsing our coming joy. We are making ready to receive the one who has already with open arms received us. We would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. Now we celebrate your first coming, Emmanuel, even as we long for your return. O Prince of Peace, Our elder brother returns soon. Amen. Would you pray? Just spend a moment here sort of in peace and in rest here before the coming busyness and craziness of this holiday season. Just go to the Lord giving thanks for Jesus, his first coming into this world and what it means to you. Lord God, we thank you for the peace that we can call upon, a supernatural peace that supersedes, that overwhelms any chaos, any disorder. We welcome you, the Lord of peace, the Prince of peace into our hearts here today to reign in our hearts during this season, that we might remember what it was for you to to leave your throne and to find yourself not by accident in a food trough where you would become food for the world. As we feast, Lord, this season, may that not be lost on us. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hello, I'm Jerry Sikora. I'm a director here at CFCC, and uh, just wanted to share a few thoughts about uh, offerings uh, as we prepare to uh, give our offerings uh, into the offering basket. Back in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were called to rebuild the house of the Lord, there's a couple verses in Ezra that go like this. Um, He says, when they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave free will offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. According to their own ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 drachmas of gold, 5,000 minyas of silver, and 100 priestly garments. Now, I'm not sure what a drachma of gold is, but 61,000 sounds like a lot. Uh, same with minions of silver. So while we may not give gold and silver, we do need to to look at um, how much we are all uh, given to rebuild the house of the Lord. When we think about the house of the Lord, um, the New Testament tells us that we are, that our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, that God lives inside of us. 
Uh, in Ephesians 2, 19 through 22, it says, and so you are no longer called outcast and wanderers, but citizens with God's people, members of God's holy family and residents of his household. You are being built on a solid foundation of the apostles, of the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. First Peter 2.5 goes on to say, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So in light of these truths, what investments are we making in the people of God? We know that we're all broken and hurting people. So how should we evaluate our priorities in addressing the disrepair and the ruin of the temple, which is in God's people? How do we increase spiritual restoration of people in Christ? So I think that is only answered by prayer. You're asking God what we should each give. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to come to you in prayer, for you to hear our needs, for us to share those with you. You tell us that you want to hear about our concerns, about our needs. And during this holiday season, we'll we'll run across uh, friends and family um, that don't have as much as us, that certainly that don't have Christ, and are looking for uh, for us to help them show the way, although they may not be asking for it. So Lord, help us to each uh, look at our own hearts and, and, and purposely give what, what you have called us to give, Lord, so that we may help rebuild the house of God, that we may be able to reach the hurting and the lost. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Tell me about some of your family Christmas traditions that you've celebrated over the years. <laughs> <laughs> you said yes. You're okay, 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 okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. Well, we always start out Christmas morning. Uh, we have a book that his parents gave us that tells the story of Jesus' birth. Um, and that's the first thing we do on Christmas morning is we read this, the book. Um, it's actually neat. His parents recorded their voices in it. Oh. So... His parents, they live in Chicago, and they're not normally with us, but they read our kids the the story. And we also, leading up to Christmas, each member of the family writes a letter to each other member of the family, and then we just put them on cards from the dollar store, blank cards, and we put them in the stockings. And so before any presents are opened, we go through and we read all of our cards. It's a pretty neat um, thing to hear what what they say about each other because yeah. you don't you don't always know how they're impacting each other in their lives and having put that down you know and, and articulate it uh, helps us I mean I get to know them more when I hear why one of them you know loves another one or what they yeah. enjoy about them so that's pretty interesting and has that always just been it sounds so perfect so oh, what was okay. tell me about the first okay. year that you guys did so well the first year no. um i got this great idea off pinterest that we should build the kids a ninja warrior course in the yeah. oh, so you must be really handy you must be a carpenter completely it was um, saw the picture i thought yeah yes. that's easy yeah. That's there were no plans it was more just like a screenshot of a picture and i said i want you to build this <laughs> so uh, Patrick and my dad and my grandfather came together and they spent hours and hours and days uh, building this ninja course in the backyard we had shipped the kids off um, to someone else's house we had covered their windows with uh, wrapping, wrapping paper. paper we told them it was a Christmas decoration we snuck them home after dark on Christmas Eve so they couldn't see in the backyard put them to bed we're so excited we wake up in the morning Say. <laughs> Carter's upstairs, and we're all down here getting ready for this magical, perfect Christmas. You've been planning this for months. Months. Yeah. And we're right. so excited. It's going to be the, the best 
Christmas ever. And then Carter screams, Aiden, look outside. There's a trapeze or something out there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was terrible. And what was your reaction? You Should know? we say that in church? <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't very happy. So that was that was a that was a letdown. That you kind of had this Clark Griswold perfect Christmas in mind, and it was sort of a letdown. But then that's when you guys started reading. The so we came down, and I said, "Sit on the couch. We're reading our letters. We spent time writing these letters, and it's going to be a good Christmas." <laughs> And so I made everybody sit down, and we were all upset and irritated, and and I said, we're going to read these letters, because we took the time to write them, and we started reading them, and it was like, all of that frustration just left, and we were just so filled with joy to read what the kids said about us, and what they said about each other, and and they really took the time to thank each other for saying that about them, and it's it's the best part of Christmas, probably, for us. Yeah, I think it's, it's very special. I've got, I don't know, you know... I've been teaching almost 20 years, and you get a lot of kind of thank you notes in passing. Thanks for being a good teacher or whatever. But you know, to hear it from from your family uh, is pretty special. And that it's you know now they're starting to handwrite it, and it's starting to kind of be a little timeline of of that because you know these are the same kids that routinely order a new dad off of their Amazon Echo. <laughs> Alexa, buy me a new dad. What are you looking for? <laughs> Alexa, <Yeah>. off. <laughs> so, so to have those things are pretty special because you can hear that and then go, oh yeah, they do love me. That's right, I forgot. They, you know. But to, for them to, I think, have that collection also mm-hmm. for, for what their siblings think about them is yeah. uh, like you know a tradition we hope that mm-hmm. moving forward that they can I mean there's a lot of them right so that they can have that collection and experience be awesome huh so I know Jennifer and Patrick, pretty well. So the moral of the story is if you rip the wrapping paper off the window, you're in big, big trouble. Is that not right, Jennifer? Big trouble. I don't know what your Christmas traditions are like, um, but most of us in this room have some type of Christmas tradition. In our family, I've tried to establish some Christmas traditions. Um, You know, Jesus received three gifts at his birth. And so I've told my family for years that each person should only receive three gifts. Doesn't that sound like a great tradition? I, (laughs) thank you, Ray. I have um, all women in my home. And so needless to say, that tradition was frowned upon from the very, very beginning. One transition is very meaningful, is every Christmas day or the day after Christmas when we arrive at Jennifer's parents' home, um, part of that celebration is her father passing, I think there's 13 grandchildren, and so he passes out portions of the Bible, scriptures, um, that all put together are the Christmas story. And so the grandchildren for years, I mean, some are in college now, and so they'd still take part. Um, We read the Christmas story as a family, and then Jennifer's dad says something about the Christmas story and leads us in prayer. It's really cool. It's really special. And I believe those grandchildren, even when they're reading some of those words that are difficult for any of us to pronounce, I believe they will remember that tradition for the rest of their lives. The truth is many, many, many people miss out on the real meaning of Christmas. Um, Statistics in America show that less than 
nine out of 10 people celebrate Christmas, period. But less than half of those celebrate it in any type of spiritual way. So in other words, Jesus is left out of over half of the people in America's Christmas celebration. That's kind of crazy, is it not? I I wonder, what is your Christmas celebration like? What is it like? Now, I just want you to know You know, we don't read the Christmas story in my home each year. That's my father-in-law's home. But we have some Christmas traditions um, that have been consistent. We're going to hear some of your Christmas traditions over the next weeks. I think it will be a lot of fun. But I just want you to think through. For years, we went out and cut Christmas trees. We don't do it anymore But for years, that was a Christmas tradition. Now, this isn't spiritual at all, but for years after the Christmas Eve service, we would go watch a Christmas movie at the theater. I know that sounds pagan, but you know, um, that was one of our Christmas traditions. We are still establishing new Christmas traditions in our family. Just yesterday, um, we started an Advent celebration with our granddaughter where there are gift bags, 25 gift bags with really small gifts in them. And so she receives a gift and we read uh, a verse and she reads most of the verses. She's only six, but she reads them. And so it is a constant reminder to her that we are celebrating Not just receiving gifts, not just putting lights in our yard or on a tree, but we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, the baby born in a manger, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Here at CFCC, every year we celebrate Advent. Advent. What is Advent? Now, for years in my life, I did not celebrate Advent. But Advent is really a dynamic celebration. We look back to the birth of Jesus Christ. We look forward to the coming. You know, Jesus was king when he came to be born in a manger. Jesus being king was not something new. Jesus has been king of kings forever and ever. He left heaven's throne and came to earth and was born in a manger for you and for me. But he will not come back as a humble servant king at his second coming. He will come back as king of kings and lord of lords and every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, both of those Both of those stories, both of those pictures of Jesus are part of Advent. As we look at and celebrate this theme of a traditional Christmas this year here at CFCC, we're going to look at the themes of hope, peace, joy, and love. And each one of your pastors, we will have a part of sharing in the service and speaking words of encouragement to you about Advent. If you have a Bible, um, turn to Isaiah chapter nine. If you don't have a Bible, pick up a Bible from in front of you in the pew or or just follow along on the screen as we look at um, these passages. Uh, This is definitely a passage of hope. It is definitely a passage of hope. The people this passage is written to, has been a, they've been a people in captivity. They've been a people whose land has been taken over. There are people who have been conquered. There are people who knew what the soldier's boot marching on their land was like. The Assyrians were dominating the people of God. And so God speaks a word 
to help them look to the future. He speaks a word of hope through the prophet Isaiah. Let's look at those words now. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder... The rod of his oppressor you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. I don't know if you've ever read those verses in this context. Look at the next verse. It's a Christmas verse. But look at the environment. Look at the context in which this word is spoken. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Let's pray. Father, I pray that in the midst of this Christmas season, as we celebrate Christ's birth, we might celebrate our hope, our hope in Jesus Christ. Father, our hope as we trust him in faith, as we depend, we live lives of dependence, not independence, Father, as we look back to his birth, may we also look forward to his coming. Father, we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the hope we have in Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. See, the truth is um, hope is at the center of Christmas. Hope, this message of hope, it is at the center of Christmas. But make no doubt, that cannot be possible. It's not just a feel-good time. Hope cannot be at the center of Christmas if Jesus is not at the center of our hope. We have hope not in ourselves. We have hope not in our friends. We don't have hope because of how much money we have in our bank account. We do not have hope because of good health. We have hope regardless of the state of those things because of Jesus, because of Christ. I want us to just look a little more at this passage It's really cool as we look at it and break it down. These countries that are mentioned in verse one, they represent the first countries, the first regions, God's people, where the Assyrian armies marched in and dominated. The Assyrian army, the soldiers' boots, stepped on these areas first. And God names them by name and says, freedom is coming. 
the people who walked in darkness. This word darkness, the shadow of death is what it literally means. There is death, there is darkness. I've been many, many continents in this earth and I'll just tell you, there are some places where I have walked, where I have spent time trying to bring the light of the gospel that were dark places. Dark places because the gospel is not there. These were dark places because they felt abandoned by God. Death was hovering over the people because of the dire circumstances they were in. But what does God promise? And by the way, these words, these verbs are all in past tense, not because they've already happened, but because the people of God are guaranteed that they're going to happen. The people walking in darkness, they were still walking in darkness. They've seen a great light. God's light is going to shine on them. There's going to be a time of joy. It's not a time of joy now. Maybe you're going through a time of darkness, a time that is not marked by joy right now, this moment. I hope if you're a follower of Jesus, your hope will be fixed in Christ even this Christmas season that might not feel like the most wonderful time of the year, right? I mean, we sing incredible songs of joy, of peace. You might just not be, you say, I'm not feeling it, Dale. Well, make no doubt, hope, peace, joy can be a reality in the follower of Jesus's life regardless of what they're going through. Rejoicing, just like the crop has come in. The yoke of burden will be removed. The rod of the enemy will be broken. The the boots of the soldier, the garments covered with blood, they'll be burned. It will, war will be over. It will be finished. I don't know about you, I'll be happy for the day in God's kingdom when there will be no more war. There will be no more corruption. Um, There will be no more human trafficking. Um, There will be no more aliens, whether you want to call them illegal aliens or not. You know, there's aliens, there's refugees all over the world. Millions of them, not thousands. Uh, Many of us in this room have heard of the great migration where people are being moved. They're, They're fleeing injustice and they never have heard the gospel, but because of this great migration, they're hearing the gospel for the first time and they're often hearing it in refugee camps. It's an incredible time. No sickness in this new kingdom Doesn't that sound good? No fighting. There'll be some fighting at family gatherings in this room. Right? You don't, I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand. Or at the very least, you're gonna say, I can't stand them, but I'm gonna have to spend the day with them. Right? Right? It's not in my family at this moment. But before I die, it will be, right? I mean, probably a child is born. A son is given. The government will now rest on his shoulders. He'll be a wonderful counselor, a wonder of a counselor. Incredible. He meets all the qualities that are needed in the perfect king. A wonder of of a counselor. He has the power to rule. He is a mighty God. He has a relationship to rule. He's not distant. If you feel distant from God today, and again, I'm going to qualify it. If you're a follower of Jesus, claim the fact that you are not distant because you're not. Your feelings deceive you. You have an everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. 
And in his kingdom, there will be peace and it will never, ever end. I don't say this to scare you, but in my lifetime, this country, as I know it and have known it, it could end. But my hope is not in this country. I love our country, but my hope is in Jesus. Listen to this passage, another passage in Isaiah. Isaiah 2, he will judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Remember I said a moment ago that um, less than half of people celebrate Christmas in a spiritual way. Less than half of people include Christ in their Christmas celebration. I think there's one reason why that is often the truth. You know, the fastest growing religion, many people will say, is Islam. That is not the case. The fastest growing religion in this world is radical consumerism. Radical consumerism. I'm telling you, you can prove that. I've been to China many, many times and I watched China change over the course of the decade that I traveled there. The cars changed. The apartments changed. The amount of wealth in the general population changed. There is radical consumerism in formerly undeveloped countries that are now more and more and more developed. Is there radical consumerism in our country, right? Advertisers try to get you to feel disappointed with that which you have so that you will hunger for something new, right? And so this radical consumerism does some things that often robs us of the true meaning of Christmas. I think the first thing is simply debt, I know my family spends the most money on two things over the course of the year. And I'm not ashamed of this. I just want to be honest with you about this. And that's Christmas and summer vacation. Christmas and summer vacation. There was a time in our life that no longer exists when we went into debt at Christmas and we spent six or seven months paying off that debt. Then we went into debt during summer vacation and we're in debt all the way up to Christmas. It was an endless cycle. And I'm telling you, it can rob you of the real meaning of Christmas. Uh, There's a second thing, this dissatisfaction with what we have. This dissatisfaction. We'll spend an hour or more, and and I've done it recently. I hate to admit it. I'm I'm not joking. I've spent a few hours researching suitcases. (laughs) Uh, I'm cheap, I'm frugal, I like to travel overseas, and so I have this backpack suitcase, and I'm Still, after all these reviews, not sure, will fit in that little box for Ryanair, the cheapest airline in Europe. I like to fly for $80. Right? That's the cost. As long as you don't check a bag. Alright? But you see, if I'm not careful, and you can make fun and say, Dale, that's not the case. No, if I'm not careful, I can spend more time researching something I want than I do worshiping Jesus this holiday. The internet, Amazon.com, can be a curse. It can. And so, will we? Will we choose to be satisfied with something that is really on the scale of 1 to 10, a 9, but we want to find out what a 10 is? Right? Be satisfied. The build up 
to Christmas. Am I right or wrong? Thanksgiving is almost pushed out of the picture these days. Halloween, Christmas. I mean, Christmas stuff starts moving in immediately when Halloween stuff starts moving out. And so there's a ramping up, ramping up, ramping up, ramping up to Christmas. Right? There's often a letdown. There's grief. People have gone through trauma over the past year. People have experienced death in their family over the past year. Are people who simply the luster of the stuff that they spent all the money on, it's gone within a month. Are your kids stopped playing with the toys that you thought were going to be amazing that they're tired of? Or worse, they spend more time in the box the toy came in than the toy. Right? I've seen pictures of that. So why am I saying all that? We want to turn consumerism on its head. And we've done this again and again. We've sought to do this at CFCC. It's called Advent Conspiracy. Advent Conspiracy. We ask God to show us people in this world who've lost hope. I tell you, identify people in your life, personally, who you feel like are hopeless this holiday. And somehow try, ask God to show you how you might share the love of Jesus. A tradition my family had for many years is whatever we spent on the most expensive gift, we had to spend that same amount of money on someone in need. On someone in need. Don't let, don't let receiving, giving, that cycle rob you of the real meaning of Christmas. God gave us Jesus. He came to the most vulnerable. He came to the hopeless. He was born in a manger, not a palace. He identifies with us. He took up human form. He was full of truth and full of grace. Thank God for Jesus. But you know at the end, at the end, when Christ will come again, we hear words like this. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. You and I have an inheritance that we're going to receive someday. Receive the inheritance prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The disciples then said, Lord, when did we do all those things to you? He said, inasmuch as you have done it to the least of these in this world, you have done it to me. I'm going to ask Doris to come forward at this time and just share a few words with us. Conspiracy Project this year focuses on a group of refugees in our world. Why? You know, imagine if you left home and you left literally everything. You can no longer work. Just flow with me a moment, alright? Give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to trick you at the end of this. Alright? I'm not going to play hard ball with you. You've lost everything. Maybe you've lost a family business. You've lost respect. No one respects you anymore. It's a little different than what we see here in America. People both uh, who are not from here and from here um, really are quite fortunate. When people get into this country, they're quite fortunate compared to many places in the world. And so these people face things. Doris, I just read three new articles this week about Maneo, the largest refugee camp in Italy. And it tells of really the mafia, underground crime, 
impacts the lives of these people. It's really kind of crazy, but this is in Italy. The majority of these people are Muslims. The majority. Many of them have never heard the first time the gospel of Jesus Christ. Human trafficking, prostitution. I, I would like for you um, to share with me your experience with this population group. Just help us to understand them a little better. I pray before I speak for the words of the Holy Spirit to come through. It does cause me a lot of anxiety before I come up here. But when we hit the ground in Catania, we were given a description of what we were looking for on the streets. We'd be walking 8 to 10 miles a day, and we would be looking for a certain gender, a certain color, um, a certain age, a certain appearance. Young boys that would be lounging in the parks, laying on the ground, sitting on door stoops, or uh, in the city centers that would have these fountains, and they would be just lounging there. There may be one, there may be three together, but all looking hopeless and rejected. Nothing to do, nowhere to go, little money in their pockets, not knowing anyone. Well, these young men have traveled from the very tip of Africa, from the very bottom of Africa, for political asylum to the island of Sicily. They came with hopes, dreams, and expectations of job opportunities, a new way of living. The families from the areas they came from raised the funds, and they sent probably the smartest of their children to come to Italy to start new again, get settled, and then bring the rest of the family over. But unfortunately, with the influx of the refugees, the Sicilian people um, created a great prejudice towards these refugees because they thought they were taking their jobs, they were standing around, they were doing drugs, and it probably did look that way, and it probably was that way. The mafia did move in and started... Uh, corrupting these young men because they came to a land they did not know the language they had no siblings they had no family they knew nothing they didn't even know the region where they were they had to learn everything about the city so when we saw these young men on the door stoops and lounging around we saw that their hope was totally dashed away it's really sad because you know they were respected where they came from, yes. many of them. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them having gone across 13 borders mm-hmm. um, to get to Italy. It's really incredible. And um, quite honestly, the restrictions in the EU countries, European Union countries, are much more strict concerning employment than ours. Yes, it takes them probably a year or two years, sometimes six years, they're still waiting for their papers. So once they even come to uh, Sicily, they may be waiting for papers and they can't go anywhere until this happens. And it's all in the government system. Tell me, it's all about today and the conspiracy. Tell me about the opportunity we have literally to change their lives. Well, to me, this is very exciting. While we were there, we went to the uh, Mission Agape Center that the ground mission team there in Catania has uh, started up. And it's a building that needs uh, a lot of repair and different things. But they have a vision, a wonderful vision. So the major mode of transportation are bicycles. They're very cheap. They're very inexpensive. So Paul and Kate Keller, the missionaries that are there on the ground, have come up with an idea to create a bicycle shop. This will allow the refugees to come and learn technical skills and give them uh, the ability to feel confident and grow. And they'll be able to 
repair bikes, they'll learn how to repair bikes, they'll, they'll be able to buy a bike cheaply because transportation is not easy in Catania. The buses run hours behind schedule. So if they wanted to go to church at this facility, they may miss it by three hours because they waited for a bus. So they want to create this facility, but it does require some funding. It needs a new roof. It needs doors with locks. It needs electricity. It needs running water. Um, They'll need supplies and tools for the bikes. They'll have to buy used bikes. They'll buy parts. And then they're going to educate the refugees. The, the greatest expense is actually the bikes and the bike parts. True, it is. And the, and it is. Um, like the bike rack is quite a bit of money, yeah. actually. I Like 3500 or something for a bike rack. I'm not a biker. Some of y'all might know what that's all about. Um, but the point is... By creating this teaching facility for these refugees, and they, their plans are to get a van to pick up the refugees and bring them to this center, it will give them the confidence. But what they're creating are relationships. They're showing them love that they're not getting otherwise. This will become their family. They'll also become more acceptable in the community because they're not taking jobs from the Sicilians. They're creating new jobs. They'll be in these little pockets of Catania. But more importantly is that during this relationship development, the missionaries can show them the true hope, the only hope that we all have is Jesus Christ. And that's what we pray for, that they will hear who Jesus is our Savior. So we've had um, many different goals, um, really much higher goals in this project, and, mm-hmm. and some that were less. Mm-hmm. But the goal is ten thousand dollars. Yes, um, to help them establish this bike shop, mm-hmm. and and again, uh, not only will they be receive training and transportation, but they're going to receive the message of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. It, it was very difficult for me to locate Maneo and Catania. I didn't know this. Uh, so a lot of these guys who are coming into Catania from the largest refugee camp, it's 26 miles away. Many of them cannot afford bus fare. Mm-mm. So I used to cycle, and, and I could do 18 miles in an hour and, and moving pretty fast. Well, it doesn't matter if this is three hours for this, these guys. They come to the city for the whole weekend so they can beg on the streets. The, where they live, you'd think they'd give them packs of cigarettes to sell. Some of them are given three cigarettes to sell on the street to make money. Now, can you live on that? No way. It's not happening. And so they do resort to drugs. I was around many young men who I could smell the pot when I walked up, and, um, but they'd love to visit, and they'd tell me their story. Doris, thank you for sharing. That. Let's pray for this opportunity today. Father, we thank you for something you've placed before us. We thank you that we can impact lives right in our neighborhood, right in our workplace, right in our own family. But Father, we thank you that we can also link arms as a family of faith and impact people who have never heard the message of Jesus Christ. And Father, witness their lives change for all eternity. Father, we will spend eternity with them because people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation on this earth will be a part of this kingdom where our mighty God, our wonderful Counselor, our everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, rules and reigns forever. Thank You for making us part of Your Kingdom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank You, Doris. Thank You. We are um, sustained by hope in our lives. We're, there's no doubt hope sustains us, it encourages us, it strengthens us. 
But guys, we, we are not to be cul-de-sacs. We, we're conduits to share this hope. And so we have opportunities, and we need to take advantage of these opportunities. I want to read um, a passage in Titus, Titus 2, 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave us himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for, for what? God does not bring us into relationship with Him. He blesses us to sit, not to sit, but to be a blessing, literally, to the ends of the earth. You know, I want to finish with a story in the Gospel of Luke. It's a story that the people are looking back to Isaiah. You're going to see the exact wording. A man is in a temple. His name is Zechariah. He is serving the Lord in the temple in Jerusalem. And an angel comes to him and tells him that he and his wife are going to bear a child. And Zechariah is shocked. And the reason he's shocked is because he's up in tears and he and his wife have never had children. Her name is Elizabeth. Zechariah's name actually means waiting and God blessing, God fulfilling the promise that he had. Very simple verse, if you allow me. It's a prophecy Zechariah spoke. And you, child, you, John the Baptist, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His way, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. That carries all the way down to us. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. You, my son, you've come to give life to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Father, we thank you that you do not remain silent. We might feel as if you are not speaking. And Father, even in this case, the people of God waited for hundreds, hundreds of silent years for you to speak. But Father, you always keep your promise to your people. You have promised us hope, light, and anger that is found in Jesus Christ, our King. Father, you've promised us the blessed hope of Christ coming again. Father, may we examine our hearts. May we embrace hope. May we share hope. May we allow our hope in Christ to be one factor that turns our Christmas celebration. Especially our celebrations that are marked by consumerism. That they might turn them upside down as we share hope with the world in need. I'm going to ask those serving communion to come forward at this time. You know, Jesus told us that every time we eat this meal, you know, you might think every time, you might think, Jesus, that every time you eat this meal, you celebrate your Savior's death on a cross. That's not 
what the Apostle Paul tells us. He said every time we eat this bread representing the body of Christ and every time we drink this cup representing the blood of Christ, every time we do it, we proclaim Christ's death until He comes again. We're proclaiming our King. We proclaim proclaim the fact that He's coming. He came and He is coming. We are proclaiming our hope in Christ. He gave us life that we might have life. He gave His life. He served us through death. Celebrate the price that was paid. That we might be a part of an eternal kingdom. Come now and celebrate at this table of grace. David Duran has just a quick announcement um, before I pray and before we go uh, from this place. So it's, it's December, the end of the year, and it's budget time here at the church. And uh, the staff and the directors have worked really hard over the last four to six weeks working on this budget. And it is prepared now and ready to present to you. There are copies on the back table if you'd like to pick one on your way out. And if you have any questions at all about the budget, feel free to talk to one of the directors or one of the staff members. There will be a presentation next Sunday after church. And uh, we'll present that and you'll have another opportunity to ask questions at that time. So we just wanted to make you aware of that. Thank you, David. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the hope, peace, joy, love we found in Jesus. Father, go with us now as we celebrate Christmas, as we move towards Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, as we celebrate the birth of our King and the coming of our ruling, reigning Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.